This is Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about a Democratic challenger to Governor J.B. Pritzker, new COVID-19 guidance, an audit highlighting some of the state's unemployment fraud, real estate risks, and more. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square executive editor Dan McCaleb and Illinois editor Brett Rowland about COVID-19 mitigation, the upcoming gubernatorial election, and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at TheCenterSquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Instead of warning schools and possible lawsuits if they don't follow CDC COVID-19 guidance, a state senator says the governor should be working to find solutions. Following new guidance from the CDC this week saying even vaccinated people should wear masks in schools, Governor J.B. Pritzker said those who don't enforce such recommendations face lawsuits. School districts are potentially going to be held liable uh, if they don't live up to the standard that is set by the CDC and by the state. And so school districts need to decide, are they going to, at this moment, are they going to potentially be subject to liability for not following those recommendations. Republican State Senator Jason Plummer said that's not leadership. The governor should not be uh, turning this into open season on hardworking Illinoisans who have been put in difficult circumstances. He should be finding solutions for them. And a reasonable solution is liability protections. School districts across the state have been deciding on whether to make masks optional or to require masks, but that changed with the CDC guidance this week. Plummer said the governor seems to be calling open season for trial lawyers, and that could cost taxpayers. It's um, uh, something that you can't even calculate. The, the exposure is you know, almost limitless, and um, there's sharks circling looking to take advantage of this. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Plummer and others have been pushing for liability protections for the public and private sectors without success. The governor's evaluating whether to require state employees under his control to be vaccinated, but mandatory vaccinations are not politically popular. Wednesday, the governor said he's looking primarily at requiring certain state employees to be vaccinated if they work in human service fields, like with veterans or those with developmental disabilities. Uh, those are the, you know, our first line of folks that I'm focusing on, but certainly looking at a broader uh, group as well. Mandating vaccines isn't popular, according to a new poll conducted by the Trafalgar Group for Convention of States Action, where President Mark Meckler said the poll outcomes show opposition crosses political affiliation. 
these are bipartisan numbers. 87% of Republicans are against it, 67% of independents, and 59% of Democrats say that taking a COVID vaccine should be just a personal choice. Since February, the state's tracked just 716 cases of the Delta variant. Pritzker said Wednesday he's considering more COVID-19 mitigation. It's of great concern to me that we have a rise in cases, particularly Delta variant, uh, which tends to move much faster uh, than previous variants. And so uh, I am looking at all the possible mitigations that we could, should consider. Meckler said polling data indicates the majority of Americans from all political persuasions don't want any more government intervention. We see 63% of the American public, so that's almost two-thirds, say that they don't want the government mandating anything in regard to COVID. And so people are fed up with it. People understand the government has been duplicitous in the things that they've told us. Meckler says the polling data suggests politicians pushing more mandates may find favor turning against them in upcoming elections. Illinois Senate Republicans are calling for a performance audit of the state's unemployment agency after a scathing financial audit showed what they say is the tip of the iceberg of fraud. The most recent Auditor General financial audit for the Illinois Department of Employment Security for fiscal year 2020 only covers the first few months of the pandemic through June 2020. Republican State Senator Sue Rezin said the problems from just those few weeks are staggering. This report talks about claims made for dead people. Uh, claimants for future birthdays and individuals under the age of 13 and over the age of 90. What's more, uh, what's even more shocking is the fact that this audit only shows findings through June 20th. That means it only accounts for 10% of the program's duration. Republican State Senator Wynn Stoller said the Auditor General's financial audit is just the tip of the iceberg. He said now 18 months in, the Unemployment Trust Fund debt it's estimated to be north of $5 billion. And it's estimated that up to a billion of that is the result of this incompetence and fraud in the governor's unemployment office. This was not the fault of our business community, and they should not bear the burden of digging our way out. Stoller said the state can't wait for another federal bailout and must use already released funds to cover the unemployment debt. Republicans are also calling for a performance audit of the department and are critical that the IDES offices are still closed to the public nearly 18 months in. IDES didn't respond when asked for comments. Governor J.B. Pritzker could have at least one challenger in the June 2022 primary election. Pritzker announced his candidacy last week after admitting in a campaign video he may not have gotten every decision right during the COVID-19 pandemic. He said he deserves a second term, but he'll have to survive the Democratic primary. Beverly Miles, a nurse and U.S. Army veteran from Chicago, intends to file for the nomination. She criticized the governor's handling of the pandemic, including the shutting down of businesses. Considering that he made a really, really bad mistake the first time, with shutting everybody down where a lot of people lost businesses and lost income, but yet he continued to make money. I think it should go the other way around. I think he should be shut down and not make any money and allow other people to continue their business. Pritzker, a billionaire, spent around $160 million in his successful bid for the job in 2018. Earlier this year, he gave his campaign another $30 million. Miles said Pritzker's millions isn't a challenge to her message as a working person for the working people. Why do anyone put $35 million into an election 
for a seat that only pays $200,000 a year. That doesn't make sense to me. So my campaign is a grassroots campaign. It's the people campaign. Pritzker's campaign did not return messages seeking comment. There are three announced Republicans vying for that party's nomination. State Senator Darren Bailey, former State Senator Paul Schimpf, and businessman Gary Rabine. Some Republican lawmakers are calling on the governor to veto an ethics reform bill headed to his desk. The center squares Kevin Bessler files this report. The bill is aimed at preventing lawmakers from lobbying other units of government and interrupting the so-called revolving door of lawmakers leaving and later returning to lobby the General Assembly. I think the, the, the problem we have is now that this bill has been exposed for what it is and the five of us that voted against it are kind of vindicated. That is Representative Dan Calkins. Representative Adam Nieberg says the bill doesn't go far enough to clean up corruption. No nothing bill uh, in the legislature doesn't really tackle the culture of corruption that we need to tackle here uh, in the state of Illinois. And it's really unfortunate. Legislative Inspector General Carol Pope recently resigned, saying the last legislative session demonstrated true ethics reform is not a priority. I'm Kevin Bessler. The Illinois Association of Chiefs of Police says the social media giant Facebook is blocking the group from buying an advertisement to honor the Officer of the Year. Association Executive Director Ed Wojcicki said East Peoria Police Officer Jeffrey Bieber was chosen as Officer of the Year for his work in February of 2021, fending off a deadly encounter where he was stabbed multiple times. Who really did everything right. He fended off uh, someone who was attacking him, and, and he had to save his own life in the process. This officer was, was stabbed multiple times in the head and the neck of, by a person in East Peoria. The group decided to make a social media post honoring the patrolman, but what Jeske said, Facebook rejected the ad buy. Saying that it was uh, a political and it might affect the outcome of an election. And, and we, we said, that's crazy. That's just absolutely crazy. What Jeske said, they appealed the decision twice and were denied twice. And, you know, and they don't ever really tell you exactly why. They just send you their language that says... Uh, it, it may be political and it may affect the outcome of an election and it may be a social issue. And and we we just uh, think that's outrageous because all we really want to do is uh, help people understand that a brave police officer needs to be honored. It was just he's asking people to sign a petition at change.org to urge Facebook to allow the ad to be approved. A representative from Facebook acknowledged the complaints but didn't provide further comments. A new report includes areas of Illinois' real estate market as being at risk due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Kevin Bessler files this report for the Center Square. The real estate website Adam released its second quarter coronavirus report spotlighting county-level housing markets that are more or less vulnerable to foreclosure from the impact of the pandemic. Professor Jeffrey Hewings from the University of Illinois doesn't believe the momentum in the housing market will be affected by the Delta variant surge. Uh, folks in that area are well on top of this and that. It convinced me at least that the, the current variant uh, that emanated out of, I guess, out of India is um, being defeated by the uh, vaccine. Some of the areas listed as vulnerable include the Chicago area and its collar counties, Kankakee County, the Metro East, and Tazewell County near Peoria. I'm Kevin Bessler. Those are the top stories from the past week for Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb and Illinois Editor Brett Rowland. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
Welcome back and welcome to Lollapalooza Weekend, everyone. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square, and this is the Crosstalk segment of Illinois in Focus. Publisher Chris Krug has the day off. So joining me today is Illinois news editor Brett Rowland. Brett, what's going on? Not too much. Um, thanks for having me on, Dan. Um, I haven't been following Lollapalooza news at all. I know that it's happening, but I've mostly been focusing my summer concert plans on Fish and the Grateful Dead. So I have no idea who's who's even playing. Uh, do you have any interest, Dan? Well, I aged out of Lollapalooza about 20 years ago, Brett. Um, so they that will not be on my weekend schedule, um, unfortunately or unfortunately not. Of course, um, uh, Governor Pritzker is going, so maybe I haven't aged out. He's uh, uh, he's he's got a few years on me, I think. Um, but uh, good for him. Of course, uh, the question about Lala is um, uh, the top news story we're going to talk about today is um, with the Delta variant uh, uh, number of COVID cases uh, of the Delta variant increasing. There's concerns that. Governor Pritzker, despite his attendance at this event that thousands of people are going to be at, um, that he might put new mitigations uh, uh, in place. Also this weekend, in addition to Lala, the calendar turns to uh, August. That means schools are going to be back, going back. Um, students will be returning to their schools. Lots of questions about uh, what that's going to look like. Um, with the increased uh, cases of, of COVID-19. Brett, what, what can you tell us? What are some of the developments over the course of the past week re- regarding COVID-19, the Delta variant, any potential mitigations back to school? That's a lot to throw on you, I know. So start where you want, and we'll get to all of it. Okay, so there has been a lot of things going on. Uh, the, first, we've had changing CDC guidance on mask use and, and masks in, in schools. So that um, I've gotten a couple emails from my son's school about just what that's going to look like and, and what that's going to mean. And basically, they're in a holding pattern saying we're going to follow what the CDC says. Um, but, you know, we realize that it could change still before school kicks off in two weeks or three weeks, I think. Um, the C- let me just let me just touch on that. The CDC guidance, it's an about it's an actually it's an about face in May. Uh, the, the CDC stressed or emphasized that uh, the full, fully vaccinated uh, individuals did not need to wear masks anywhere. Um, and now uh, just this week, they came out with um, a, a complete reversal of that, um, essentially urging people to wear masks in public settings, even if they are fully accident, uh, vaccinated, uh, including um, children ages two and older um, in school settings. Um, so uh, the CDC has taken a lot of criticism uh, about that reversal, um, and and some because we've sort of um, uh, the number of people getting the vaccine has waned um, in recent weeks and even months. Um, a, a number, a, a lot of that criticism has been around. Well, is there no confidence that the vaccine works? Is that what the CDC is that the message the CDC uh, CDC is sending uh, to people when we want more people to get vaccinated? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think that it's it's been a big reversal for the CDC. Um, and, you know, to, to see how it, it, it's, I guess, the mask politics around it um, are less interesting to me than the science of, you know, is the vaccine effective? And it seems like the vaccine is very effective in preventing people from dying and, um, 
and getting very sick or, or going to the hospital. There have been a small number of breakthrough cases in Illinois um, that have resulted in hospitalizations or death. But for the most part, it seems to be protecting people. But it's not preventing transmission or to the extent that completely hope. Completely preventing, right. right. There was a significant percentage, yeah, of, uh, of people who are not contracting COVID-19 because they've been vaccinated. Yes, that's a huge, that's a very important point. Uh, the vac- vaccine has, has very much helped reduce transmission. Um, however, it's not perfect, just Correct. just like uh, everything else. And, and so, um, you, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to see sort of what happens next here. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I think people got pretty used, got used to not wearing masks very quickly. Um, uh, as you and I have talked about in the past, um, I've always stuck with the mask just because I usually have two kids under who, who aren't of vaccination age with me. So um, I'm 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 gonna wear my mask when I'm with them just because I want them to wear their masks uh, and I don't want them to miss school because two weeks uh, of quarantine with kids is a lot uh, when you're yeah. when you work full time. So I feel I feel for parents of uh, school age ch- children. We're now we're now a year and a half into this um, nonsense, and we keep uh, we keep getting mixed messages um, from public health officials, both nationally and Illinois. Um, uh, unlike you, Brett, I have n- I have not I'm fully vaccinated. Um, I think you are too, correct? Yes. I have not worn a mask since my uh, daughter's graduation back in May, and I was essentially to to be able to attend my daughter's graduation, I had to wear a mask. Um, but I, I agree, fewer and fewer people are wearing masks when I go out uh, to the grocery store, to restaurants, et cetera. You, you just don't see it as often. Some still do, and that's their personal choice. Uh, all right. So reversing that and requiring people to wear masks again after going through this for so long, there's going to be a lot of pushback. Yeah, I would be th- – that's what I'm most surprised about. Um my wife told me yesterday that, that, that she was in a store and the, the clerk was saying, oh, don't worry about your mask. But, you know, it's it's weird um, to see it, uh, you know, you go from from everybody, you know, throws away their mask to then eh, let's bring these things right back. So I think that the I think that the American public did a fairly good job of following restrictions at the beginning of the pandemic. I think that after. I think that by midsummer of last year, they sort of were doing a lot more of what they wanted to. And now to think that we're going to get uh, a high compliance rate with mask use, I think is a bit optimistic. It'll be interesting to see what like like private businesses um, do. The grocery stores I've that I go to and the other stores that I go to haven't required masks for a couple of months now. Um, it'll be interesting to see if signs start popping up because of the CDC guidance and because of what, and, and state health officials and Governor Pritzker said, we're going to follow CDC guidance. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if those signs start popping up on storefronts, uh, again, that a mask is required to go in there. In addition to masks, though, uh, Governor Pritzker did say this week that he's considering other, uh, mitigation efforts, including requiring, uh, the vaccine for certain state employees. What can you tell us about that? 
So we've seen New York and California do this already. Um, so certain um, state employees, those that w would have contact with um, vulnerable uh, populations or, or populations in, in congregate settings like uh, jails, prisons, um, uh, veterans' homes, uh, nursing care, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, to me, um, there's some validity in that, um, although forcing people to take uh, or requiring people to have a vaccine that hasn't been fully authorized by the FDA is a little bit questionable. I, I get where they're coming from here, but to me, um, I don't know what I don't know what kind of differences this is going to make. Hopefully, it'll 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 save some lives, but uh, I mean, I, I don't we. We, we know so little about what Pritzker's going to do here. He said, I'm thinking about it. Um, the, the, Dr. Zike is thinking about it, but we don't really know what they're going to do. We don't know how many workers this would entail. We don't know which workers. We don't know um, what percentage of these workers have already been vaccinated or not. I think it would be very difficult um, for Governor Pritzker and um, state health officials to get away with some of the mitigation efforts, some of the restrictions they put in place a year ago um, that closed, for example, small businesses, allowed major retailers like the Walmarts of the world uh, uh, to remain open. Essentially, um, it was government picking winners and losers in the economy. Any step backs in, sh in shutting down the economy just would be, I, I think it would be a non-starter. Um, I'm, I'm personally, I'm also, um, I'm a pro-vaccine person. I, I urge people to get it. Um, but I also recognize or believe that it should be a personal decision. So mandates like uh, what Governor Pritzker is threatening um, and what the federal government has done, particularly with the with inside the Veterans Administration, where requiring employees to be vaccinated, I think that's a, a, a personally think that's a wrong step. It should be an individual choice. Um, COVID's been with us now for 18 months. People know um, what any risks uh, are. So anyway, that's just my uh, uh, personal uh, opinion there. There was a poll that was released this week that the reporter Greg uh, Bishop reported on as well as part of his um, COVID-related reporting, uh, reporting. This was a nationwide poll um, that showed a significant majority of Americans um, uh, oppose government mandating uh, anything when it re in regards to COVID-19. Brett, what can you tell us about that poll? I'll tell you a couple of things. First, uh, Greg uh, Bishop, right back from uh, Iceland. We're glad to have <laughs> him back in Illinois and reporting. Um, he's been he's been busy since he, he's been back. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that in general, pe people are not real thrilled about the government telling them what to do um, in their daily lives. Um, 63% of the American public, and this includes both Democrats and Republicans and independents, um, say they don't think government should be mandating anything in regard to COVID-19 um, moving forward. And, and I, I can totally understand that. I think that, you know, America, just the country, the, the, the way that the country was founded, it, we've always wanted to have some, limited government um, and, and not have government involved in our, in our personal life. And I think this poll reflects that. Um, it's contrary to sort of what's going on in, in, in some places and, and, and the idea of, you know, the government may be requiring vaccines for some employees. Um, it's definitely contrary to that. But I mean, private businesses are doing it. We've seen hospitals do it. It makes 
to me, it, it makes quite a bit of sense to have maybe hospital employees required. But I think when you talk start talking to state employees or or or, or private businesses, then the question becomes a little more murky. And, and one other one other uncertainty uh, when it comes to this, uh, for example, outside of uh, the center square, I I, I serve on a. Um, uh, a human resources board of directors um, that provide services to at-risk um, populations. Um, we've urged our staff um, to get vaccinations, but there's a certain segment of the population that don't trust it and don't have faith in it. Um, one of the things that Pritzker uh, hinted at was that uh, state human resources, uh, or human services, excuse me, um, employees would be required um, uh, to, to uh, be vaccinated in order to, to stay in their jobs or to undergo strict testing requirements. Um, but there's a hiring crisis right now across the country in all fields, but there's also high hiring crisis in human services fields. Um, um, what happens if you have a bunch of people who quit um, because of a vaccine requirement? There's already not enough people working in these, in these fields. Um, uh, it could be devastating to human services. Um, and from my personal experience, if uh, there is a mandate there. Anyway, why don't we, uh, sticking loosely with uh, COVID, but uh, moving on to a different uh, topic. Brett, I'm sure you knew this. There's a governor's election next year uh, in Illinois. Um, Governor Pritzker finally last week announced that he is going to run for uh, re-election. I was taken a little bit by surprise um, by one of our stories uh, this week that he's actually going to have a Democratic challenger. Yes, um, I thought that was very interesting. And his, um, I mean, it's tough to picture a world where um, where Pritzker loses uh, a primary to, to to a challenger without a whole lot of um, name recognition and without a whole lot of money. But Beverly, um, Beverly, Beverly Miles, Beverly Miles, yeah, Beverly Miles does seem like a, a very um, dedicated she, she i think she clearly wants to do this uh, she, she has some good points uh and i think that but i think she faces a really steep battle i mean pritzker just has so much money so much name recognition he was on tv for a hundred and what was it 140 straight days last year i mean COVID, the COVID press conferences you're referencing yes so i mean it it's going to be real tough to topple that but um I think she had some great points. I mean, she she was against closures um, and, and some other things. Um, so she's essentially running on on Governor Pritzker's COVID nineteen mitigation. She's a Democrat. She's also a nurse. It should be pointed out. Uh, so she's in the healthcare field. She's a U.S. Army veteran um, from Chicago. She, um, but what that, that's what she's running on, right? Is, is COVID uh, uh, Governor Pritzker's COVID nineteen mitigations not just the fact that you, you, states across the country put mitigations in place. Illinois is one of the few few states across the country where the state legislature didn't get involved. Pritzker didn't ask them to get involved. Uh, the Democrat supermajorities in the legislature um, didn't seem to want to get involved. They let, they let uh, Pritzker uni, uh, unilaterally decide what restrictions um, he was going to put in place. And that's one of the things that Beverly Miles is running on. Yeah, and I think that she makes some great points there. I mean, you you had a legislature that did nothing last year, uh, or very very little at the at the least, and and let the governor run the show. Um, and he made choices, and those choices had consequences. And then to see somebody uh, from his party challenge him, I mean, 
I'm I'm not surprised, but at the same time, I am surprised. I mean, just because of who Pritzker is and how much um, money he's got, I think it's going to be tough. But uh, it's it's interesting to see the the different ideas from within the Democratic Party on, on COVID and and specifically Pritzker's handling of that uh, and the government's response to COVID nineteen. Well, I, I do I do agree with you that uh, Beverly Miles faces just a huge uphill battle and um, her chances of winning a democratic primary are essentially slim to none. Um, of course, governor Pritzker is a, the billionaire heir of the Hyatt uh, hotel um, chain. He funded his, he personally funded his campaign last time around. He's already put tens of million dollars into his campaign war chest this time around. Um, I just don't see um, Beverly miles uh, being able to raise anywhere near enough money uh, to get her message across uh, statewide. And of course, media campaigns are a significant uh, uh, part of running uh, for office, particularly when you're up against a billionaire like uh, Governor Pritzker is. Why don't we move along then, Brett, some more uh, more news this week on uh, the ethics bill uh, or the non-ethics bill, whatever, depending on how, uh, your, your point of view that the, the legislature um, passed uh, during this last session. Um, a number of Republicans are calling on Governor Pritzker to veto the reform bill. What can you tell us about that? Um, I can understand why they'd want it vetoed. Uh, it, it really doesn't do a whole lot. Um, it, it's, uh, I think someone referred to it as a do-nothing bill, um, and, and it would make some slight changes and, and require some uh, uh, a, a bit of a cooling off period before politicians can can leave the state legislature and become lo- lobbyists and, and there's some other restrictions on lobbying. But th- there's really not a whole lot here. There's not the tough ethics reforms that a lot of people had called for in the wake of the ComEd um, bribery and patronage scandal and, and the wake of just Illinois' track record of scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal um, and, and corruption on top of corruption on top of corruption. You'd think that this would be the time to get something done, but it didn't get done in the legislature. Republicans want it vetoed. I'm guessing Pritzker's going to sign it and say, you know, this is the best we could do or something like that. Yeah. But but it's not enough. Well, even the legislative's own inspector general, Carol Pope, um, who was hired a few years ago, uh, her, her job is to investigate complaints against lawmakers and legislative staff members and things like that. Uh, she resigned um, uh, recently or submitted her resignation recently because she said the legislature um, was not serious about ethics reform. She, uh, the legislative inspector general reports to a body of um, lawmakers themselves who have essentially veto power over whether or not she can subpoena witnesses, whether or not um, she can make any of her uh, investigation, investigative reports public, um, whether or not she can sanction um, people uh, who she's investigated. Um, she's resigning um, in, in large part because the legislature failed to pass meaningful ethics reform. Um, and now we're going to have to find a new one. Um, a, a new legislative inspector general, even though the position um, lacks any kind of teeth. And and she's not the only one who said that. Um, everybody who's ever been in that position who has then left has said this this position's a joke. Uh, I think she called it a paper tiger. And, and, it, and it is. I mean, there's there's nothing to it. There's... When, when, when the office was vacant um, for, what, three years, someone, like, no one noticed. 
um, until it was too late. And then, uh, you know, there, there were sexual harassment and other complaints that had piled up. Um, you, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a shame. Uh, if there was any serious the political momentum here, we, we would ha- we would have these ethics changes. But I don't think lawmakers in Illinois are serious about uh, playing it straight. I think they like thing that they like the status quo. They don't want to have to. Um, they don't want to have to wait after retiring from the legislature to, to become a lobbyist the next day. They they don't like that kind of stuff. I think that they, they want to be able to play it the way they want to play it, and and the way that it's been played in Illinois for far too long. But wait, Brett. Uh, to quote new speaker Emmanuel Chris Welsh, it's a new day in Springfield, I thought. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, Mr. Welch, uh, Speaker Welch, uh, um, I hope that he can bring about a new day. What he's shown so far is, is short of that. Um, he made some big promises when he became speaker and he hasn't delivered on those. Uh, a new day means the budget isn't passed at the at the at the twenty fourth hour. That you don't that when you put together a forty two billion dollars spending plan, you remember to put the effective date on it. It doesn't mean you you have to call call everybody back to Springfield to do that. I mean that's not a new day. That's the same old shenanigans. The same old. Oh, I agree with you. I, I was <laughs> of course being uh, a bit facetious with my with my question to you. It, it certainly has not been, of course, uh, uh, Speaker Welsh took over from a long time, decades long, uh, Speaker uh, Michael Madigan, um, who, of course, um, uh, has been uh, named as a person of interest in this years-long federal corruption probe um, that brought that, uh, of, uh, entangled uh, ComEd, a number of state lawmakers who have been charged, other uh, people close to state government and even local governments in Chicago or whatever. Um, so he's got some work to do at, to actually make it a new day. We are running out of time. Uh, Brett, you said you're not going to Lollapalooza this weekend. Any big weekend plans? Um, at our house, it's Dinosaur Superhero Weekend. So we are going to the Field Museum on Saturday and uh, to the Museum Ooh. of Science and Industry on Sunday, which has a superhero exhibit. My three-year-old loves that. So we are... Um, Pretty excited. You might not be going to the actual Lollapalooza concert, Brett, but I think you and your kids are going to get caught up in some of the crowds uh, uh, traveling that way. So good luck with that. Thank you. We'll need all the help we can get. I mean, getting a six-year-old and a three-year-old anywhere is uh, is tough, but um, it's going to be especially tough this weekend. How about you, Dan? Any plans? Um, we're getting ready to send my both of my kids uh, back to college. So we're t- in less than two weeks, uh, my son will be going back to the University of Alabama for his junior year. And my daughter, who just graduated from high school, um, is going to Texas to Sam Houston State University. We have a lot of packing and a lot of things to do ahead of that because um, it's scary, scary, scary enough. It's two, uh, less than two weeks away before that happens. Are you ready to have an empty nest? You know, I kind of sort of am, although... Uh, us being in Illinois and then being in two states a thousand miles away, that's a little scary. So uh, um, um, we'll see how it goes. I'll report back uh, the next time you join us on the Illinois in Focus podcast. But that's all the time we have today, Brett. Thanks for joining us. Uh, For Brett Rowland, I'm Dana McCaleb. Now back to Greg Bishop for a look at what's coming next week. Next week, the team from the Center Square will monitor updates to any possible COVID-19 mitigations and their impacts on schools and the economy. 
We'll also follow up on where possible legislation regulating the state's energy industry could land and start gearing up for the Illinois State Fair and for the fall veto legislative session. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.